You're listening to the Staffing and Recruiter Training Podcast, hosted by industry expert, speaker, and sales trainer, Scott Love. Hi, this is Scott Love, and thanks for joining me on another episode of the podcast. I'm glad to have have you along on the commute in, or however you're listening to this. I I love to listen to podcasts and audio programs because it, uh, it shortens the commute. You're turning your drive time into money-making time. So wherever you're using this, and some people say I go with them on all their trips to the gym, on the treadmill, I'm glad to be here. And you know what? I'm going to be doing more of these. It's probably been, I think, since June of last year, since I've done a podcast. I've just got out of the habit. I apologize for that. So from this point going forward, you can see by the first week of every month, a new monthly podcast, and you're also going to see a little bit of a shift towards sales training, specifically staffing sales training. Because there's a lot of staffing firms out there that are growing. I'm doing a lot of business with them. In fact, in March, I'm doing a five-part seminar over the web with the American Staffing Association, specifically in the area of sales. Look for that soon through through ASA. So today's podcast, I'm going to give a couple of shout-outs to some companies that I've got a lot of respect for. One of them is Movement Search up in the Detroit area in Michigan. I've known Doug Scott for several years when he used to bring his people to my seminars in Las Vegas. Uh, I think if you look at their website, it's probably the best example of a website for people in our business. It's movementsearch.com. I'm excited about coming in in late February to speak at their annual meeting. Thanks so much for your business, guys. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, other companies that I've been doing a lot of business with, la- uh, with lately, the American Staffing Association, the Alabama Staffing Association booked me for their meeting in April. I'm doing something for the National Association of Legal Search Consultants, March 18th, National Personnel Associates, speaking at their big global annual conference in Washington in late March, early May. Also, for probably about the I think 17th or 18th time with the with the California staffing professionals meeting in May. So look for that as you start seeing their programs. Uh, if you're in any of those areas, come on out. Tell me that you've heard my podcast. I'd love to meet you personally. That's something I love about the business. I love doing the business. I love recruiting. And I also love talking to people that do recruiting and staffing. I don't think you can find any opportunity out there that gives you as much potential as this industry. And you know what? It's all up to you. If you're having a tough time, don't worry about the past. The past shots don't affect future shots when you play golf. The same thing, the past months that you're going through, that has nothing to do with your future months unless you don't learn from that. So today, going forward, I want you to draw a line. I want you to set some audacious, some aggressive goals. This year, I want you to make a commitment right now that 2016, this is your year, baby. You're going to rock and roll this year, and I'm excited to be along the ride with you. So I've got a couple of ideas that I wanted to talk about today. One of them is being able to find your blind spots. Everybody has areas in their life that are keeping them from being successful, and it's really difficult to be able to find those. I always tell people that I can solve anybody's problems except for my own. I have coaches that I talk to. Anytime I go to the gym, I see a marked difference between how I work out on my own and when I work out with my personal trainer. It took me years to get used to the idea of paying money to go and have somebody tell me how to lift weights or do cardio because I know how to do that. But when I'm right there with someone and I'm paying them money, and this is a trained professional that knows the nuance of form and repetition and all the other things, I usually get a workout that's about four or five times better. Sometimes we can't solve our own problems. 
But I've got a couple of ideas that I think that if you get a journal and you follow some of these exercises I'm going to share with you, you'll be able to make some small incremental improvements in significant areas. There's a book I read earlier this month called The One Thing. It was written by one of the founders of Keller Williams Realty. And the premise of the book is that if you look at all the results that you get in life, the significant results, probably about 20% of the things that you do give you 80% of the results. And the premise is for you to look at what is that one thing that you can do that's giving you the biggest return for your time. There are two words that I think are very important in our business or in any business. One of them is synergy and the other one is leverage. These are things that I teach. I teach people to keep in mind synergy, meaning how can I get the most value out of this one hour of my time? How can I structure my calls? How can I structure my thoughts and organize my activities so that during this one hour, I can maximize the return from that immediately? Synergy. What are the things that you can do in your life that give you synergy? Who are the relationships that you need to build among other recruiters, other consultants and coaches that can help you to build synergy? So I look at the single hour of activity. I'm going to squeeze out as much life out of that as I can. The other word is leverage. When I spend one time, one, excuse me, when I spend one unit of time, I want to get about a five unit return for my time. I want to structure my time in a way so that I get a synergistic return for that. That means I'm getting a lot out of that one hour. But that one hour that I spent, I want to make money off of that one hour a week from now, a month from now, two years from now. Here's an example. I have it set up in my system, and I use uh, a program called Encore by a company called Cluin. Their website is cluin.com. They manage all of my data. In fact, I'm going to be interviewing Andy Shapiro, the president of that company, here later on in the podcast, talking in general terms about data management. But one of the things I was able to set up with my program, anytime I leave a message for someone and I talk with them, or actually once I talk with them, I have a conversation with a candidate and they're not interested, it automatically, once I change the category from not interested or, or once I change it from talked with to not interested, it automatically schedules a follow-up call six months from now. Why do I do that? Because I want to maximize the return for my time. The principle that I follow is that relationships are built on frequency of contact. The more you talk to someone, the more they feel comfortable talking to you and getting to know you. They're going to trust you more. I got tired of reading press releases about candidates making moves that I talked to a year or two before that told me I'm never leaving my firm. And then guess what? Some other headhunter called them on a Monday when things weren't going very well. They didn't remember me because I never followed up with them, and they made a move. So I made a decision. Anytime I talk to someone, I'm going to leverage that relationship as much as I can. I'm going to automatically schedule that call so that six months later, I call them. Hey, Jerry, this is Scott Love. We talked about six months ago. You said you didn't have an open love, open mind to other things, but I thought I'd check in and see what your openness level is. I'm seeing some very interesting opportunities out there. You know, they might say yes, just because they know that you talked with them before. They might not even remember who you are. When you tell them, we talked before, automatically the walls come down a little bit more. So that's what I mean about synergy and leverage. I try to maximize my hour and try to spend my hour in a way so that I'm making money that day, two weeks later, a month later, a year later. Synergy and leverage. So how can we find these blind spots? I'd recommend, if you haven't done this before, to go get a journal. Go to the bookstore. Go to Barnes & Nobles and get a nice $30 Italian leather journal. 
You're going to open up the packaging. You're going to smell that leather. You're going to feel like biting into it. It smells like meat. You, know, you, just, you just want to take, take a bite out of that book. It has these white, creamy pages that you want to write on. There are two relationships in the world of recruiting and staffing that are important. The relationships with your candidates and your clients and also the relationship with yourself. I think self-awareness is a missing ingredient for many people because they're not getting better. I've met recruiters in this business. I hired one guy years ago who was my COO, and he was going to be a, he was a big deal in different trade associations. He said he had 20 years of retained executive search experience, but it was really one year 20 times. He didn't have the self-awareness to see what his blind spots were, so he never got better. He never asked for advice and sought counsel from other people that had knowledge in the industry to help keep him accountable, to help him grow. I don't want you to be that guy. I want you to be extremely successful in this great business. So this is the journey of self-awareness, finding out where our blind spots are. Now, this is an exercise I've shared with other people before. In your journal, I want you to write down these five questions. And by the way, if you're a member of Recruiter VT, you may not know this, but when you log in and you see those four categories, the candidate issues, client issues, deal, deal management, and performance issues, there's a fifth one called journaling exercises. There's about 36 different journaling prompts that you can go through in your journal. A lot of people haven't even seen that. I don't want you to miss out on that valuable feature in Recruiter VT. But if, even if you're not a member, let me give you a couple of ideas that will help you. Number one, what is your greatest strength? What is that one thing that you are known for? Not necessarily what you're known for, but what is it that you think gives you the most value in your business as a recruiter or a salesperson? Is it your personality? Is it your work ethic? Is it your sweetness? Is it your ability to encourage and inspire other people? What is that? You want to take that concept and really just maximize, maximize that value to other people. Wealth is nothing more than a transference of value. The only way you're going to make a dime is by creating value to other people. Find out what is that one thing about you that you think helps you to be successful, and how can you take that and increase that? The second question is, what's your greatest weakness? What is that one thing that you know is your biggest deficit? We all have that. The third question is this. What action steps can I take to develop my strength? Don't focus on the weakness as much as your strengths. You want to succeed always by playing on your strengths. I learned that concept from one of my former mentors, Alan Weiss. The third question is this, how can I improve my weakness? We all have to get better. Sometime, sometimes the best answer to that question is to delegate, <laughs> to delegate it to somebody else. That's what I've done. I have a weakness. And it's a weakness of not being able to tackle the details, not being able to get around to doing certain things. So I'm actually creating opportunities within the different business interests that I have for other people to, to succeed. I'm taking my weakness and actually making that a significant opportunity for other people. The final question is this. How can I take that weakness and use it to my advantage? Sometimes you will find strength and success in your weakness and you're not even looking at that. You're not aware of that. How can you benefit from that weakness? Some people, they will succeed because they know their weakness is, I'm young or I don't have a lot of experience. But they will tackle this business aggressively and chase after those sales leads that everybody else says not working with recruiters and work their way up the food chain. Now they've got a retainer contract with the CEO because they had this childlike enthusiasm. 
nobody told me I couldn't fly, and so they learn how to fly, you know, that, that whole thing. The journey of self-awareness, I think, is the real treasure that you will find. Like I always say, recruiting is a personal development opportunity disguised as a job, disguised as a business. And this is the real treasure, my friend, that you will find in this business. It's not the money that you're going to make. It's the wealth that you create within your own soul. I think that's what this business is truly all about. So my challenge is to you, before you go home, stop by the bookstore, get a journal. A journal is a good tool for solving problems. Anytime you're at uh, at, a, at a crossroads, you've got to make a decision about something. Do a pros cons list on that. Just start writing about that. Sometimes if you have to solve a problem, you just start writing and eventually you're going to figure out what your solution is. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to listen to my good friend, Andy Shapiro, talk about data management and the recruiting and staffing industry. If you own or manage a recruiting firm, do you ever get tired of training the revolving door of recruiters? Are you disappointed with the performance results of your team? Do you wish your recruiters could finally develop consistent and higher levels of production? Then delegate your training to Scott Love. Through his multi-million dollar interactive online training platform, he can show your recruiters how to close more deals in less time with higher fees. Visit RecruiterVT.com for a free demo today. So I've got with me on the line Andy Shapiro. Andy is a close friend of mine, and he has been serving the executive search industry for quite some time. Uh, he owns a company called Cluen, based in New York City, and his product is called Encore. It's an executive recruiting software solution. I've used his services twice, and I'm excited about having him on the program because he, more than anyone, knows about data management within the executive search industry. Andy, thanks for joining me today on the podcast. Thank you, Scott. Uh, great to be here. So you've been involved, I'm curious, how long have you been involved in data management uh, on the, on the uh, software side for the executive search industry? Uh, the team here started Cluen 25 years ago, so it's uh, since 1990, and wow. we've had the pleasure of talking to tens of thousands of executive search professionals around the world and done over a thousand successful projects uh, but you know it, things change daily so um, the latest technology uh, coupled with the years of experience really makes makes for some interesting results well absolutely right and our industry is quite peculiar and data is everything if you can't keep track of who you've talked to if you can't organize it in an easy fashion you can't make placements and I know you've seen and you've talked to a lot of firms and you've seen what their challenges are. What do you think are some of the more common? Like if you could say there's two or three more common problems that executive search firms and staffing agencies face in terms of data management, what do you think those issues and challenges would be? Uh, I think ultimately whether, it's, whether the symptom is people not collaborating together in a database or messy data that's not up to date, uh, or systems that simply don't work right, um, uh, those are all symptoms of you know, failure to plan, really. Uh, any technology solution really just ha has to mirror a smart business process and plan. Uh, it's tempting looking at uh, technology to say, oh, this is great, we're going to keep everything in that, but that's not realistic. Uh, it, tempting to tell everybody in a small team, oh, you've got to do it this way, 
But without really thinking it out, you're going to wake up in a year or two and be disappointed with what, what you've got. So uh, Cluen spends a lot of our time, probably two-thirds of our new projects uh, involve data migrations from old mm-hmm. systems where people uh, never did that thinking before they got started and paid the price later. Yeah, I know. And it's almost like when people start down this path, they get into the business or they're with a the firm, they just don't know enough to know what questions to ask. They can't see that far into the future in terms of a data management plan. And so I'm sure that's another area where you probably, where you guys provide a lot of solutions, kind of helping them understand what exactly their business is and how data affects that. Right. Since, since our emphasis is really on that thinking and planning, even if it only takes a few hours or a day or two uh, before you hit the gas, um, reflecting with someone who's seen hundreds or thousands of projects uh, to talk about the best way to get your business results done is important. You know, it's um, if you try to capture too much, you may not be able to do it. Or if you try to do things the way that you think smart today, but 90% of the rest of the world does it a different way that works better, you should know mm-hmm. that before you spend a lot of time and energy on it. You know, no matter what you're paying for technology, uh, for your computers or for some software like Cluens or to LinkedIn, uh, your time is worth so much more. If you're going to spend all day, every day, building something, um, if you didn't think it out and have someone read back to you, yeah, that, that'll take about this much time and this is kind of a business result that you should expect from it. Um, it's, it's very um, costly. Right. And I know I've used probably a total of six different solutions, including ACT and Salesforce. And I'd say two of those six were, were those that I think would be uh, useful and intuitive for an executive search firm. Uh, have you seen people that have can come all the way from three by five cards? Is that something that you've seen people that just, you know, or, or maybe just here's an Excel spreadsheet? Yeah, well, we haven't even thought through our plan. Have, have you seen it uh, that simple before? Well, certainly, you know, there there are a lot of people who use Excel today, even as they're starting a new firm or having a team trying to figure out the process. And there's nothing wrong with that. You're better off starting with Excel and kind of figuring out what you want to do. Uh, you're better off doing that than really cementing in a, a system that would then change two days later or in a month. So we see Excel as a common place that people start collecting lists, right? That's what it's right. for. Um, mm-hmm. But, of course, there are people who use index cards. We haven't seen them lately. Um, I don't know. There's a guy I'm thinking of who's more of like a 5 by 7 index card guy, 5 by 8 mm-hmm. uh, 3 by 5 is <laughs> a little small. You know, you, yeah, you don't have right, to really right. get enough stuff on there. Um, but, but certainly, you know, it's, especially with today's um, – process flow. Communication is through your computer. Uh, the information originates there in your research. Um, clients expect to be communicated to that way as do candidates. So to take it all off the um, electronic system and put it onto paper, I don't think you would do that today. It just take too much time. Yeah, absolutely right. So what, what do they call them? Do they call them applicant tracking systems, contact management programs, candidate management systems? What's the actual technical terms that you have? Um, well, we, we refer to our stuff as really uh, a search management system. It's about managing the relationships, like a CRM, but really more managing the project of doing an executive search. Um, 
and especially for Cluin, you know, they still call applicant tracking systems applicant tracking systems, but for um, executive search firms, uh, it's less common that anybody's applying to anything, right? Uh, right. If you want to find That's the right. best talent, uh, you're going to go headhunt, find the best mm -hmm. talent. You're not going to ask someone to apply for that CFO job on uh, monster.com or whatever, LinkedIn even. So uh, it's rare that people doing executive search are thinking about uh, applicants. Yeah, that's true. And that's an, that's an old phrase, but I still hear that, the applicant tracking systems. It's like the word personnel. You still hear the word personnel every once in a while, but it's just right. as, an antiquated phrase. As much as we um, are thinking about executive search, there's still probably the majority of the people on the planet are hired by applying for a job, you know, um, for places that are not talent constrained or, you know, volume uh, staffing operations for a lot of the world. Um, there's still plenty of people applying for stuff, and applicant mm -hmm. tracking systems are very relevant, um, just not if you're doing an executive search. Yeah, that's true. And what I like about yours is that it's intuitive. A political science major like myself can figure it out with some help, and uh, you know, it just really makes my job a lot easier, and I really appreciate that. What, what, uh, what are some success stories, maybe not necessarily from what you guys have done, but, but just in terms it, 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 in, in, in general success stories uh, for data management, what have you seen a firm do? How have you seen them improve uh, in terms of building a data management program to make more placements? Well, I, I think that the, the value of uh, a technology you know, project like this is really what needs to be focused on, again, that thoughtfulness. You know, why bother? Why with, bother with any software? It has to be some business result. And if you can really envision that, whether it is make more placements, uh, have better communication with your uh, candidates, save time, um, looking at the details of how you get to that business result is the interesting part. So we've seen plenty of successes of taking processes uh, that someone may have done, let's say, doing um, a status report for their projects. If you're completing an executive search and you want to write up the latest status of all the potential candidates and where everybody is on the project, um, you'd be surprised how many organizations still spend hours, hours and days of their uh, staff time making reports like that, um, coming up with an automated way to collect and produce lovely reports can be a giant time saver. Same thing going to um, communication. If you need to maintain a lot of relationships, let's say, you I don't know how many people you've spoken to over the last several years, thousands, maybe tens yeah, of thousands. Tens of thousands. Tens of thousands uh, of I'm sure there's some percentage of those relationships that you maintain very actively. You speak to those right. people at mm -hmm. least once in a while. Um, but that percentage is 10%, 20%. There's still mm -hmm. a massive portion of your relationships that you are doing nothing you're not, you're not uh, personally managing. If they call you, you talk to them. If they come up uh, re related to a search, maybe you uh, call them. But to create automation, to maintain relationships is important. And that's uh, either going to take you too much time to do today or you're just going to ignore it. And 80% of your relationships that you built uh, are going to wither. 
So right. uh, using a tool to have a personalized email, for example, to go to those thousand people that you haven't talked to in a year um, is great. They'll think of you. Um, it'll be a time savings to keep the relationship alive. And then your brand will be on their mind, um, whether it's keeping them uh, available to you as a source of, for a new project that you might do or having them think of you when they um, need to hire an executive recruiter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or even just to keep my name in their mind so that when I call them and ask for referrals, they're more likely yes. to give those to me. One specific example I can think of that your system has helped me with was it, it's kind of like this. You talk to a candidate, they're not interested, you have some sort of rapport, and then about seven or eight months later you see, holy cow, they made a move. They told me they were never going to move. But you know what happens, a recruiter talks to a candidate, candidate goes home, tells his wife, oh, I got a call from a headhunter today. Oh, what'd you tell him? Said I wasn't interested. What do you mean you aren't interested? You hate it there. You know, you should go interview. And and we put the thought in their mind. So what I do, every time I change someone's status to not interested, you know, they're a prospective candidate, I talk with them, they're not interested, I document the relationship call in the genie, just like within your system. And then I set it up so it automatically schedules a call six months later. So everybody I talk to, everybody I talk to, they're getting a call in six months. I'm calling them back. Hey, we talked about six months ago. I'm just curious. What are your thoughts about being open to other things right now? So it's um, that's something that's helped me just yeah. to be able to, to and, you know, just one, one simple tool can help you squeeze out another placement a year. And, and, and that's exactly how you would try to measure it, whether it's uh, supporting a new business development initiative, being able to manage data more cleanly, uh, making nice-looking reports. Uh, there should be uh, specific measurable goals that you have for a project like this. Um, our successes are usually in that, you know, uh, business business result, save time, extra right. extra good process. Uh, but we also have fun results, you know, when there's a new. Um, we've worked for with some government transitions, for example. So uh, recently, a um, new president was coming into a Latin American country, and their organization needs to do a hundreds of executive searches really fast and put up, mm. put together a real system. We did that um, for the Obama administration um, however many years ago, and having uh, a quick system with a proven result to get you know, disciplined, good wow. executive searches done is important. It's important if you're an executive search um, firm, but it's also important if you want to be able to go to your um, any stakeholders and say, hey, we really did an executive search here. We went and found the best talent. We um, decided who was going to uh, be eligible for these jobs, and we got it done quickly, efficiently, and uh, transparently. That's what seems to be demanded more and more, whether you're working for a corporate client or you're in some other kind of organization or government. People want to know what's going on, and um, the ability to share uh, with all the stakeholders is uh, more and more important. Yeah, that's true. So let's just say there's a search firm out there where they're they're kind of scratching their head, looking at their system, and they're thinking, you know, there's got to be something better. I'm frustrated. I see that I'm missing out on placements. It's too time-consuming. I know I've used some systems where just to even record a phone call, it took me about 15 different clicks, moving my mouse from the left to the right to the left to the right to the left. Uh, and so... It's just, it was just frustrating for me. But let's just say somebody's looking at 
another system, they want to learn more about you, they want to get a demo, what's the process to reaching out to you and what's usually the time from first contact to where they really roll out a system? Um, again, it depends on, um, depends on what they're after um, and how much time they can dedicate to it. In terms of actual work time, there's if you're a small search firm, there's some number of hours of planning and thinking and working to get up and running, and that could happen in a couple of over the course of a couple of days. Uh, at the same time, if you have more stakeholders and are really trying to figure out your process, we usually extend it over a couple of weeks just to give some thinking time and to then capture those discussions, write it up, present back, hey, here's, here's really what the plan is. What do you think? Someone might say that moment, oh, great, let's do it, go. Or, hey, let me talk to the team about it. We'll get back to you next week. So there's no, you know, rushing is, uh, is not good. Um, but at the same time, it can move pretty quickly if it needs to. Right. So in terms of reaching out to you, uh, what's your firm's website address? Should they call you? What's, uh, what's a good way for them to make contact to schedule a demo with you all? Um, Cluin.com. That's like the word clue with an N at the end. Um, and you can contact us right through there. Give a call. Um, send an email. And we'd be happy to engage. Again, our process is really very much about talking about the value of a project. It's not, we're not as much a pure technology sales organization. You know, buy our technology and it'll be a miracle. Uh, we're problem solvers. And it starts with that first discussion of, you know, how is this going to bring value? Why, why bother with a project? Um, eager to have those conversations. That's great, Andy. Thank you very much for your time. And we'll talk with you again real soon. Thank you, Scott. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next time.